We want when people come here, this to be an overwhelming sense of home. Because biblical Christianity at its core is relational. If you are going to lead, you have to first be, you have to first be led. Hey, welcome to Lead Talks with the Craigs. I'm Craig Mosgrove. And I'm Chad Craig. Yeah, we're so excited to be back with you here in season three. And this is episode number six. I've enjoyed it thus yeah. far. So we're in a season uh, right now, Pastor Chad called, in order to lead, you must first be led. And we're just talking about the person, leadership, and direction, guidance that the Holy Spirit gives to us as children. You know, when we talk about lead talks, it's obviously leadership-minded, but leadership is just influence, right? It's, that's the Maxwellian law. Leadership is influence. So if I'm exerting influence in any way, any realm, family, work, professionally, relationally, I'm leading. And so oftentimes, though, I think some maybe, you know, they find this podcast or they're watching on YouTube and there's an easy... There's a strong temptation to be dismissive of oneself and say, I'm not a leader. It's not for me. Right. What would you say to that just up front? When we're talking about the leadership of the Spirit and yeah. maybe somebody that's new to the podcast or listening to new to the podcast. of Sure. You know, how would you address that in terms of... Yeah, not always, but oftentimes that flows out of the lies of insecurity. Yeah. Meaning uh, insecurity wants to tell you, hey, you're not a leader. And then that gets us off the hook from having to apply or grow in these leadership things we're looking at. Mm. But, you know, you're made in the image of God, and especially if you're reconciled to God, your creator, through Jesus Christ. Man, uh, the Lord lives in you mm-hmm. to want to impact others through you, Amen. whether it's in the home or just like the things you said. But leadership is everywhere, right? Influencing people is everywhere. And in and the so, Western world, at least, we have an incredible leadership vacuum. Oh, we have a, such a need. I yeah. mean, yes. Um, and, and even those who affirm that they are a leader are in leadership roles— so many in our nation still need to grow, mm. right, and learn the ways of God. So so I would say, first, don't disqualify you when God in Christ has qualified you right. to be used of Him. And uh, secondly, just remember that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're a learner. Yeah. And part of learning is learning this aspect of doing life following Jesus, which is leading and influencing people from the home to everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, last episode, episode five, we talked about the Holy Spirit in prayer and how Holy Spirit empowered prayer of I remember much. That. And uh, You almost got me interceding and praying during the thing. That was a stirring episode. Today, today we've entitled Jesus, comma, a Pentecostal and put in a question mark. Hmm. And the reason we ask that question is, depending on your faith tradition and you watching today or listening today, the reality of God's word and God's intention is that if we are Christians, we are supposed to move and operate in the power of the Spirit. And what historically has happened in the last hundred years, last century, is that we have seen what we call a Pentecostal or a charismatic wave. And sometimes if you didn't grow up in that wave, then you read the title of this episode and you think, ah, they're just going to talk about Pentecostal things. And I I just want to fight against that for a moment and realize and say that we can disagree on what it looks like to be charismatic but whether or not we're supposed to be charismatic is really not in question. Meaning how we play out charismatic. It's oftentimes people look at the charismatic faith tradition, Pastor Chad, and they say, well, they just get into some emotional uproar and it's emotionalism and uplifted hands and greater the fervor, the more the charisma. And so we're not talking about the ways and means and how the charismatic life is lived. And we are talking about it in our episodes. We're not talking about that today as much as is Jesus a spirit-empowered person? That's the question we're really mm-hmm. asking. And today, what we want to do is, if you're following along, we're going to draw some parallels between Luke and Acts. Now, what's interesting is Luke was a physician, and Luke did write both books, right? So it goes without being said that 
when he is writing both the gospel and the account of the early church called Acts of the Apostles, which probably more technically could be termed called Acts of the Holy Spirit, done through the apostles. Right. But it, it, it it's very um, conducive for us to recognize, or just natural for us to recognize that the the physician Luke would indeed parallel the life of Jesus being spirit-filled to the actual methodology and practice of the early church being spirit-filled. And so we just kind of wanted to highlight some of those mm -hmm. and just investigate and kind of flesh that out of what it looks like in everyday life. And so um, we want to show you that Jesus operated in the power of the Spirit. Luke, Pastor Chad, goes to great lengths to show us that. Um, and so let's just start, first of all, with the Gospels, because some people may be listening today or watching today, and they're thinking, well, why are there four Gospels? Well, history tells us that Mark was more than likely the first Gospel to ever be written, and then Matthew and Luke would have been written from kind of the manuscript of Mark. But those are what we call synoptic Gospels, and right. it's, they're different than synoptic John's Gospel. meaning similar. Yep, saying. that's right. And so you can kind of parallel even a lot of study Bibles do that. John is a different Gospel. Especially in, in the old days before the Internet. Oh, yeah. Right, all, all the pastors or those that wanted to be scholarly, faithful hermeneutics, they had all those parallel Gospel Bibles. parallel Bibles and, and texts. Absolutely. Sure. I got some of those old ones. Yeah, and, and, and the thing I just want to say, Pastor Chad, with John's Gospel, which is John the Beloved, that's often called the signs Gospel because there's seven signs that he highlights to prove, John 20, that Jesus truly John is 20, the Son 21. of God, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But what I want our listeners and, and kind of those engaging today is that each a Gospel, of course, is about the same Jesus, Pastor Chad, but they all have unique themes. Um, the Puritans, I often use this illustration, they, they saw the, the Scripture like a diamond that shows you different sides. And if you put a diamond up in the light, I mean, you can move just a, a millimeter to the side and you get a different ray, mm -hmm. a different prism, if you will. And that's the Scripture, is that when we hold up the, the testimony of Scripture, every time we turn and walk around the Scripture, we see a different theme yeah. tend to emerge. And so um, a lot of people might be saying, well, I thought... Jesus' source of power was, in fact, that he was God. But Luke goes to great lengths to show you that a lot of the miraculous stuff he did, which is healings, miracles, seeing people's hearts, seeing into people's hearts, he does in the power of the Spirit. And so let's introduce this word for a moment. Yeah, very important. In theology, in Philippians 2, we call this in Greek, because the New Testament's written in Greek, we call this the kenosis. Greek koinia. Uh -huh. Right? And kenosis or kenotic Christology, kenosis just means emptying of oneself. So when Jesus comes to earth as an infant, as a babe, you know, we just celebrate Christmas or the incarnation. He emptied his access to his godness. Now, when I'm when I say that, I don't not I'm not meaning that he ceased to be God. He just limited himself uh, From to operating yeah. as God. Yeah. So in other words, he wasn't sitting around and in middle school, every time a question was asked, thinking, I don't, I know the answer to that one because I'm omniscient. He had to grow in the wisdom and stature, which that's is what a, the text says. A crazy, right? He wasn't in the crib thinking about the relationship between quarks and particle waves. He didn't know. He had to learn science just like anybody else would have to learn science. And that's why Pastor Chad, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and is. stature. Let's talk about that for a minute. What would it mean? that he had limited access to wisdom, so he had to grow in it as a man. Yeah, well— What he, do you think about? Well, yeah, he didn't operate from his omniscience, right? From uh, the nature of God being all-knowing. So what that means is, is that sets up us understanding the importance of his dependence on the spirit of wisdom or the spirit of God to grow in the knowledge of 
the things of God and the ways of God when it comes to how created the universe mm-hmm. and the things that you mentioned like science yeah. and 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 those n- knowable things that God has allowed us humans to logically reason and know. And so he's growing in that. And it's so important because if we Jesus, often don't think God can grow in wisdom, but Jesus <laughs> certainly certainly modeled that. Well, yeah, because he, he's not just God, he's fully man, yeah. right? And so there's the the man aspect that now has come into like the hypostatic union or, or you know, the, the union of being fully man and fully God and this person we know as Jesus. And so his humanity has to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his experience now as a human has to grow. Amen. Because God had never taken on human form before. Right. So, And you know, people get so preoccupied with the ap- apocalyptic passage of Matthew 24, the signs passage, it gets so thrown around. But Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said, I don't even know the day or the hour of my return. Only the Father knows Only that. the Father. Right. Meaning that, yes, the He's Son limited is himself. not operating in omniscience and all-knowing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that speaks to the roles, the different roles within the eternal purpose of, of, of God, the different roles of the Godhead, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't the Father who was sent. The Father sent the Son. Yeah. And then when Jesus was enthroned and finished his work and sat down, then the Father and the Son poured out the Holy Spirit like we talked about in previous episodes. So they each have their roles. But if Jesus was operating as God on the earth, that doesn't give me much encouragement because I'm clearly, not God. clearly, consciously aware that I'm not God. Yeah. So how would so, I yeah. be encouraged? So don't jump ahead. So you're yeah. you're you're so so let's follow the framework. I knew someone this. was getting anxious. Though. No, you yeah, know, they, if, they, if, they were getting anxious, they're uh, <laughs> so so that's the point. The wrong that, Bible Belt tightening was starting right. to shake a little bit. Right. If, if Jesus has limited access to His goodness, how does He do a lot of the things that He does? And so that's the question we want to ask: How does He overcome sin? How does He resist the devil? How does He do miracles? How does He see right into people's thoughts? How does he have such communion with the Father that he just knows what to pray or say to people? And Luke's answer is the power of the Spirit. Yes. The power of the Holy Spirit. And that's great news because it's the same power you and I have access to. Same Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so Luke, now I'm getting encouraged. Now yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Life experience available through Jesus and the power of the Spirit might be totally different than anything I've experienced or known or thought about before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and some of you... Maybe have never seen this. And so here's the point I wanted to say, Pastor Chad. Some people think of Jesus primarily as the one who died as a substitute for sins. And that is true, of course. But think about this. He also lived for 33 years before he died. And so if we are to really think about the life of Jesus, mm-hmm. right, not just defined by his death and resurrection, but his life, yeah. how did he have the power to do such miracles and such ministry? And to qualify him to be the sinless lamb. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Chad, in my apologetics class, we I make my students in the spring semester memorize the Apostles' Creed, and I love it. It's the, it's the oldest withstanding credo or faith tradition statement we have in Christian faith. But example, for example, Pastor Chad says, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and rose again on the third day. The whole of that credo went from born to crucified in like one word all right so where what happened to the 33 years of his life well in the apostles creed here's what it gets a it gets the word letter a the word a and so his death is important can't underestimate that but the most important thing about his life meaning his his death pastor chad enables us to live his life shows us how to live 
Correct. Right? His death and resurrection enable us to have life. But then I look back at his life and realize this is how I'm to live because he's the prototype. Correct. And I'm being conformed yeah, to his image. if he didn't have that perfect life, then obviously his death is no different than the thieves next to him. Yep, absolutely. So we're going to jump into some of these parallels. Before I do the Pope Pastor Chad, I feel like I need to review or clarify something because this gets brought up a lot. And I just want to speak just for a moment to the doctrine of the Trinity. We've touched on this in previous episodes, but so many people struggle with this and they get it wrong. And so I'm not trying to jump into the theological nerd but the, the doctrine of the Trinity is that there is one God who has existed eternally in three persons, okay? Now, some people come up with all kinds of analogies for that. And analogies sometimes help, but analogies sometimes can be misleading. And very limited at times. Yeah, very limited. And, and so what I mean by that is that if you push each analogy, eventually it'll break down. But when I was first a Christian, the way I first heard the analogy of the, the, the Trinity was water, is the H2O. And I heard that God was like ice. So the so water can exist in three different forms. It can exist at 212 degrees in steam, mm -hmm. from 212 to 32 in water, and 32 and below in ice. ice right? Problem is, that is, in ancient words, modalism, modalism right? right? Because God, what we're saying is God changes forms. Well, he, God doesn't change forms. That was condemned in early church. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Then I've heard it like, well, I'm a dad, I'm a pastor, and a husband. Well, again... That is modalism if you push that. It's me transferring, essentially, identities. But the, the Or I've heard it, God is like the eye. So the eye has the iris, it has the cornea, and then the white part, which is called the sclera. But the problem with that is no part of the eye is complete without the others. So Jesus is not one-third God. He's fully God in himself. So there and again, not a good analogy. I remember my intro to theology class at Lee University. Best analogy I heard was from Del Coulter, and it's the biblical one of what the Scripture calls Jesus as the Word of God. Now, here's how I got it explained to me from the outset, is that when I have a feeling or an experience, I can say I'm cold. Now, when I say the words I'm cold, think about what it took for me to say I'm cold. So on the one, I had thoughts that registered that I'm cold. Mm -hmm. Once I had the thoughts, though, I had to give voice to a word to tell you I'm cold. Then the word that proceeds from my mouth had to create vibrations with the vocal cords that then moves through the air and touches your eardrum. So in essence, there's three separate things, but you would never separate them. If you heard me say, I'm cold, you would never say, now was that the thought from Craig saying I'm cold, or was that his vocal cords vibrating, or was that the word that came forth? They're all stating I'm cold, but each of those parts are not indivisible from one another. The early church fathers, Pastor Chad, said that the Father is like the mind, Jesus is the Word, and the Spirit is the vibration that carries the Word into people's hearts. So that the statement, I'm cold, is indivisible from each part, yet all three of them are operating to communicate. And again, if you push it too far, it's, it's a broken down analogy. Sure. But I love it because Jesus said himself, I am the Word, right? We know John 1, he's the Word of God. Made flesh. And I guess my counsel to all of us is to, to maybe limit our analogies and just embrace the mystery. But Well, great is the mystery of godliness, yeah. Paul wrote to Timothy, right? Absolutely. First Timothy. So let's talk about some parallels. I'm going to hit them. Pastor Chad, you, you kind of work them out. In Luke, Jesus' birth comes through the Holy Spirit by the overshadowing of Mary. Yeah. Right? His ministry begins with the Holy Spirit baptism in the Jordan River. Coming upon him like yep. a dove. Yep. In the same way, book of Acts, so that's Luke, book of Acts, the Spirit is 
is poured out on believers when the church is born in two chapter two through the Acts baptism two. right of the Holy Spirit des- descending on them. Pastor Chad, what was Jesus' first sermon? Luke four, quoting Isaiah sixty one. Right, and what does he say in that? Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. There it is, anointed. Peter's first sermon was about the Spirit's power was upon the church to testify to Jesus. Acts two fourteen through thirty six. Right. Immediately after his baptism, Jesus, Luke says, goes in to be tempted. And Luke says he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's been driven, right? It's yep. kind of a strong language. Strong driven, leading, yep. By drawn the Holy to the Spirit. wilderness. Yep. In Acts, right after the apostles are baptized, they're dragged in front of the Sanhedrin and told not to prophesy or teach in the name of Jesus. There's mm-hmm. the parallel. Um, in Luke, Jesus gets sent out by the Spirit to travel around Israel preaching the gospel. In Acts, the, Jesus tells the apostles the Spirit would come upon them so they would be what? Witnesses. Witnesses. Be sent out, right? The same spirit that sent Jesus is sending us. And so I just wanted to say, Pastor Chad, what are some things that are done in the power of the Spirit in Luke's gospel, Jesus does, that we are to do as his church today? The first one's miracles. Miracles. Let's just talk about that for a moment. Luke 5, Jesus heals a paralytic. And there's a little phrase, Luke 5, 17, Pastor Chad, I came again this week, and the power, it says this little phrase, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Right. In Acts, the power of the Spirit enables Stephen, for instance, we've talked about him, the first martyr to see into heaven, right? It, it allows Christians to understand languages or speak languages they've never known physically Study. in mm-hmm. Acts chapter 2. For Philip to be teleported across the desert in Acts <laughs> chapter 8. Uh, for a Paul to to bind a magician, right? Or blind a magician, Acts chapter 8. Pretty pretty amazing, yeah, right? That, so, yeah, that one's not mentioned too often. <laughs> yeah. So talk to us just a little bit about the miracles. How how are we, how, how is the New Testament church able to operate in the power of the Spirit just like Jesus set the precedent in the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. So like when we talked about the gifts in a previous episode, right? So the workings of miracles is the workings of dunamis, yeah. power. The, the ability to work the power of God for miracles. So Jesus, as Luke says in the text, he, he went led full of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, but it highlights that he came out filled mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's right. And this is what you're, you're talking about is, is Dr. Luke uses this same parallel language, both in Luke and Acts, of this and. There's a feeling of the Spirit, and then there's an and mm-hmm. when he talks about a specific manifestation of the Spirit working through a person that's filled, and he highlights different aspects of gifts. And so Jesus obviously being filled with the Spirit and power as he's operating dependent on the Spirit for the working mm-hmm. of dunamis power for miracles. Yeah. Same thing shows up in the gift list that Paul uh, takes us through in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 yeah. right? And so... Um, that's the parallel. And because it's the same Holy Spirit, you and I um, can be given this gift mm-hmm. of the Spirit to work the power of God for miracles, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And we live in a world where miracles are so important because the fallenness of our world and the fall- fallenness of humanity because of sin we live in a world where things, because of sin and Satan, are going to constantly go wrong. Mm-hmm. So we need constantly the help of God, the helper, 
to provide miracles to undo what is the natural result and progression mm -hmm. of sin in Satan's kingdom. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, just look around and you think about all that goes wrong in the world. That shows you our need, yes, for the gospel in the mm -hmm. sense of forgiveness, but also the need for the power the of the Spirit to intervene and stop what is the natural experience of you and I as humans in a fallen, broken world and mm -hmm. fallen, broken humans. Yeah. And so that is the I thought power about this of what week, we're talking and again, about. It's a little bit different, but I'll, I, I've never... I never thought about it this week. I've never thought about it this way until this week. I was thinking about oftentimes the language of people claiming if God really wants to be God and known by people, why is there such a hiddenness to the to the Very valid question, right? And one of the thoughts that hit me is maybe the millennial reign is one response <laughs> to what God already knows and, and understands the answer objection of hiddenness. He's going to set up on earth for a thousand years. Yeah. I mean, you clearly, right? And in so many ways, then. we are so bound by time that we think God is so hidden. But right. in reality, we're only in one dispensation of time. We're in one yeah. arena age or era of season. time, yeah. right? And so that age is just as true as this age. It's a valid point because, you know, the uh, um, often I heard used out of text when I got involved in Pentecostalism or spirit field expressions is they would love to quote the old Testament promise and the earth will be filled with the, the glory of God, mm -hmm. right? As the waters cover the sea. Correct. Yeah. But where problems occur in the body of Christ is when we don't cut straight, like you're saying, what promises are attached to what ages mm -hmm. or what covenants. Correct, yes. And that prophecy there is talking about the millennial reign. Yeah. And so, but here's what I'm tying it into. You yeah. said why people say, why is God hidden? Yeah. Why isn't the knowledge of God just so clear, mm -hmm. everywhere evident? Mm -hmm. Well, it is going to be according to that promise which in the millennium. It is. So it's a good valid thought and, and point there that you're highlighting. Yeah. So, um, well, that's one that I wanted to hit. Luke, the second one I wanted to hit, we've hit these in our, in our previous episode on gifts, but I was just trying to really focus on the parallel between Luke and Acts. But the second one's prophecy. And prophecy, when I mean speaking God's blessing into people's lives or making God's plans known. And I thought, Pastor Chad, in Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth, full of the Spirit, prophesies God's blessing on Mary. It's mm -hmm. a beautiful little passage. Later in that same chapter, the Spirit enables Zechariah to prophesy about the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus. In Luke 2, the Spirit of God tells an old man named Simeon that he won't die until he sees the Messiah in person. But in Peter's first sermon in the book of Acts, he tells the church that the promised Spirit is here, and the evidence of that is that they will prophesy. prophesy. Sons Your and sons and daughters will prophesy. So in Acts, there's an unknown Christian named Agabus who shows up twice, with a message from the Holy Spirit about something that was coming for the church in Paul's future. Yeah, he's a prophet. Right? He's a prophet. Yeah. And, and so not a prophet without the gift of prophecy. Yeah. How how needed is prophecy? I mean, and this is a work of being spirit filled. This Absolutely. is a work of the Spirit of God. And how needy. I mean, encouragement in our world is like oxygen to the soul. People are not in any way, shape, or form walking around your deal or walking around your workplace or walking around your relation or your house. None of them are walking around saying, I'm too encouraged. So if we're going to talk about lead talks of the Craigs, if we're going to be good encouragers and exhorters, mm -hmm. exhorters with the spirit-filled gift of prophecy to speak and declare God's truth over people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And we've hit, we hit 
the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It's got it's yep. it's Jesus' declaration over a person's experience in life. Correct. So, Correct. Um, any th- any thoughts there? Yes, yeah, just that if Jesus clearly and as Luke parallels needed to depend on the Holy Spirit for his life and ministry, then how much more do you and I? You know, if if we're members of the body of Christ and he's the whole body of Christ in his day before the church was born, how much does an individual member need to depend upon the Spirit of God? Amen. When Jesus, our King, who is who is the one we're called to be conformed to, mm-hmm. depended and, and depended uh, and needed the a ministry of the Holy Spirit, you mm-hmm. know? So it's very important. I, I look at it the same way like when it comes with fasting. You know, a lot of followers you say, well, I don't need to fast. Well, if Jesus needed to fast, how much more do I need to fast? If Jesus needed to pray and spend times with the Father, how, how much more do I need to pray? You know, yeah. what's well, the same with the work of the Spirit? And so you you cannot, friends, you cannot lessen things that the Bible holds equal. You you can't lessen fasting to prayer or prayer to fasting. You can't lessen the dependency on the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit to prayer. They're all held as vital components to experiencing the life and life more abundant that we can have in Christ. Amen. So yeah, absolutely. So talk about miracles, talk about prophecy. Let me talk about preaching. And when I say preaching, I'm not talking about standing in a pulpit preaching. I'm talking about preaching the gospel, declaring the gospel. So Jesus, or Luke says, Jesus' first sermon, you just mentioned it, Luke 4, 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Yeah. Right? Same Luke, same language is used when in the book of Acts when people preach. Peter's filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, and he was filled with the Spirit Again, in Acts 4, in the same And Andrew. boldness, it That's highlights right. in uh, Acts 4. Acts 7, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit when he preached right before he was stoned. Spoke boldly, yeah. Luke Luke 12, Pastor Chad, and when they bring you before synagogues and rulers, don't be anxious how you should defend yourself or what you say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That's prophetic utterance. That's prophetic utterance, yeah. and that's preaching, that's declaring, and that's what our world needs, mm-hmm. right? I think C.S. Spurgeon said the most needed sermons today are sermons in shoes, and there's so much validity to that is that the greatest apologetic any of us have is our life changed. Our, Living our, epistle. Yeah, yeah. It's a transformed life. That's the greatest apologetic we have. But until we open our our mouths, Romans ten, and declare how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, people yes. can't be born again. That's right. You know, but, we're doing all night prayer in a couple of weeks, and we mm-hmm. could pray for all this whole year. But unless we take that prayer and go out and share the gospel, that's it. Nobody else is getting born again. Yeah, he uses the declared right good news about what the Father has accomplished in the Son to open the doors of people's hearts. And but boy, minds. are we so scared! In the Western world of opening our mouths and sharing the gospel with people. Yeah, and uh, that's a whole nother um, series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't understand it. Uh, well, I do, but um, the more you know him, the more you want to talk about him, right? The more you see him, the more you see the, the darkness and devastation of our culture and the world. And, um, you know the more you understand the only hope any of us have is the hope of Jesus Christ. So, Absolutely. And they got to hear. Yeah. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 1, God has chosen as the primary method through the foolishness of preaching yeah. to save them who would believe. Mm-hmm. That's 
a God anointed and chosen message. Yeah. Uh, method preaching. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a perfect segue to the next one. Luke tells us not only Jesus enacts justice, enact enacting justice, but the Spirit comes upon the church to do so. Luke four eighteen, Pastor Chad, Jesus started his first sermon. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But it's interesting, Pastor Chad, in Acts 10.38, Peter summarizes Jesus' ministry as the one who went around doing good yeah. and healing. Yes. And in the same way, the apostles used the power of the Spirit to set captives free. Acts 16, the story of the apostle Paul meeting a servant girl who has a demon that makes you know makes her a spectacle her owners rent her out for entertainment yeah. for, you know as a spiritual and economic captive and paul through the power of the spirit delivers her that's it right in acts Cast justice so let's talk for a moment how does the spirit of god come upon those who are leaders to do things like that that when uh people are working for the oppressed uh, i watched the sound of freedom this week with my wife it finally came available on amazon prime so i didn't have to go to the movie theater and Sound of Freedom with Liam, I mean, not with Liam Neeson, with um, um, John, Jim Caviezel, the Jesus, plays Jesus. He he in The Sound of Freedom, I don't know if you guys have watched that movie, communicates the sex trafficking world from Latin America, specifically in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And so this dad goes, and it's a true story, it's based on a true story, God's children are not for sale is the byline of the movie. But it was just, it's to me, I've known about sex trafficking because I've been in ministry two decades. But, you know, I see people on Facebook and things that are like, you know, you guys should go watch Taken. Well, Taken by Liam Neeson came out in like 2008. And I'm like, are you just not realizing that right. there's more slaves living right now on planet Earth than ever in U.S. history? I mean, in right. world history? Um, I mean, it's heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. with Meredith and I turned the movie off and we're like, I mean, it's so hard to even go to sleep knowing that millions of eight and nine-year-olds are out are being trafficked all over yeah it's unacceptable all over the world right yeah. and it's it's happening all the time but there are people here in america and even atlanta where we live that because atlanta is one of the hubs that are full of the spirit and acting and doing good trying to bring about justice right. in that area right working for the captive but the spirit of god wants to powerfully work in and through your life and talk to listeners today just about what does it mean to to do good to do good in your world to yeah. do good in your community yeah you, if you've ever read through the gospels maybe you've wondered when jesus would set someone free or or someone would encounter him and he'd tell them don't go share mm. okay now there's multiple facets of why he do that but one of one of the reasons is what we're sharing today it's the same reason of why he told his disciples when he ascended Go wait until you're endued with power. The whole point is is because Jesus lived completely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit's ministry, knows that we need the same power and ministry of the Holy Spirit to be effective to yeah. represent God and do the good works of God on the earth. And so why he told them not to go tales because they weren't empowered people. And it wouldn't lead to the fruit that God wants for the work that God does. And it's the same thing why he told the disciples to wait. So the point is this, is that when God begins to stir in your heart a burden, okay, and something he's called you to, like it could be justice and and good works, that stirring is necessary because God works in the heart, but it's not sufficient enough alone. Mm -hmm. There then has to come 
the enabling and the lighting upon and the anointing and the power of God's Spirit to be able to perform in God's manner and way what God's Spirit has burdened and mm. formed within your heart. Yeah. Okay. And so, so another way we could say that is all the things that the things that God wants you to do for Him are only things He can do through you. That's it. Right. Yeah. From from beginning to end, it's it's God's glory, God's grace. Mm. Right. And so, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. So, I can want to labor in setting people free and being involved in justice or preaching, but unless the Lord does it through me, it will not lead to the method uh, or the manner of work that God requires to meet His standard, mm-hmm. right? And that's why when you read 1 Corinthians 3, it says that anybody who has Christ as as the foundation of their life right. is born again— Everybody has a type of work. Yeah. So there's no one who can claim to be a follower of Christ and doesn't have some type of, of work righteous yep. activity happening. Correct. But there are people whose entire work is burned up because it doesn't meet the standard. Yeah, the word's quality the there in First Corinthians. Yes. And and he uses the the metaphors of wood, hay, and stubble to say that that's the manner and means and method that they tried to do the work. Well, that speaks to our humanity. But it gets burned up. It gets burned up. Yeah. It's only the gold, silver, and precious stones which speaks to the divinity that meets the standard and we get rewards for. Yeah. And so what it's saying is, is what you just said. What God calls us to, only He, through the power of the Spirit that's available through Jesus, can perform through us. Absolutely. Right? And that's the whole John 15 yeah. as well. Yeah. Unless you abide in me and I abide in you. You're not going to produce kingdom fruit that can last, kingdom yeah. fruit that meets God's standard. Right. And so for some of you, I, I heard uh, Dr. Rutland on the radio briefly uh, this week when I was in the car, and he spoke again, which I've heard numerous of times, about how he he needed the the power of the Holy Spirit and began to seek the power of the Holy Spirit so that he didn't kill himself when he was in ministry and give up because he was doing what God called him to in his own strength. Yeah. Right, which is yeah. Well, so my point is, some of you have a real burden, and, and in real... that way, you're do the way you're doing the work of God destroys the work of God in you. Yes, right. And there's a lot of people that could be listening today that that's the reality. Yes, the and way they're doing the work of right God. Now. Yeah. It's not that the burden or the call isn't genuine. It's that you've not yet heard the full gospel that the method to accomplish the burden God's given you can only be. By God's Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by your will. It's not by your strong resolve. It's not by your credentials, your education. It's not by any of those natural talents, but by my Spirit, says mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's hope mm-hmm. because the Helper's ready mm-hmm. to endue you yeah. Yeah. with His power for what God's called you to. Absolutely. That's a perfect segue. So we talked about preaching. We've talked about prophecy. We talked about miracles. We talked Good about works. enacting justice. Yeah. Next one is feeling with joy. So in Luke 10, 21, it says, In the same hour Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, Luke 10. Acts 2 says, When the Spirit of God came upon the church, there was a great sense of awe and a sense of gladness, Acts 2, 42, filled their heart. Mm-hmm. So, and gladness of heart. Yeah, so the sign of a Spirit-filled believer, Pastor Chad, a Spirit-filled church is joy. And I'm not saying that the Spirit gives us all type A, sanguine, perky personality. We're sure. talking about a joy that's an eternal condition established by the it's cross. A, a spiritual quality. Yeah, and and you would go into some churches all black and you would think you're in a funeral. You would mistake because there's this just such a vacuous 
arena of joy. Like how we, how would we as a joyless church reach a joyless world? We must be a joy-filled church, right? And and yes, there are times of lament, and yes, there are times of solemn reflection and repentance and mourning. But if you look at New Testament theology, the dominant motif mm-hmm. is joy. Correct. Love, joy is even the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Peace, patience, kindness. Yeah, and all of the, the lament and all of that, which is very important, but it's all it's all categorized and surrounded by Scripture in Scripture as uh, a temporary night. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it is. And, and the joy is the ongoing mourning of the resurrection, meaning yeah. the joy is attached to his victory that, hey, behold, take cheer, I have overcome. Mm-hmm. So the lament is that, yes, he's overcome, but I'm experiencing some pain right now, some hardship, so I can lament. But the joy is what lasts. The, the lament is temporary in this age. Yeah. The momentary Correct. sufferings. But the joy is lasting, mm-hmm. right? That's why he calls the millennial kingdom enter the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Right? But we can taste of that and, and experience that joy now through the work of God's and Spirit. And I'm concerned a little bit about this, Pastor Chad. That's why I brought this one up for this episode is that and I, I, I think now more than ever, our Christians, our disciples, our worship services, they ought to be characterized by exuberance and shouting and joy. In so many ways, we are, yeah, we're so joyless. And people say, well, I'm the laid back, cool, hands in my pocket, too cool for school posture. And I'm like, really? Joy's not your personality baloney. Because if I came to you right now and said you won $250 million in the lottery, I'd bet you'd be joyful. You wouldn't say, well, praise the Lord. Right. I mean, there would be an exuberant response. I've seen you watching UGA football. Don't try (laughs) to play me. Yeah. So (laughs) I want to end with it, or not end, but end this point with this verse, Psalm 35, 27. May those who delight in salvation shout for joy. My point here is that's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. It's a command. It's a command. And we we need to shout for joy. As spirit-filled people, we we need to get our shout back in 2024. Think about it. God gets to determine how he wants to be worshipped. Hmm. So if I'm still determining how I want to worship him, I'm still in a man-centered type of framework and mentality. That's not a renewed, discipled mentality. That's not the mind of Christ, right? He humbled himself and became obedient to the way the Father wanted him to obey him. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for you and I when it comes to joy and worship. God gets to demand how he wants us to worship him. Mm -hmm. And he says, yes, clap all you people hands at Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. Right? Lift your voice. Shout unto God. Yeah, biblical with the voice expressions of, of worship. Biblical expressions, yeah. right? And so, you know, you can get caught up in in the gap of nuances of is it emotionalism and all that. And all that is really unneeded when yeah. you just go to what does God command at times yeah. from his people? Yeah. And and let's take God at his word and give him the worship that he's De- desired and designed and designed yep yes yep absolutely well two last points pastor chad about luke and and acts number one is in both luke and acts the fullness of the holy spirit is given in answer to a request yeah right boy man he stumbled right here brother right so in luke 3 the beginning of jesus's ministry we often don't talk about this but it says that the holy spirit came on jesus like a dove but as he stood praying luke 3 says so meaning same thing happens in the book of Acts. Jesus sends back up to heaven. And Acts 1.14 says they went to the upper room and devoted themselves to prayer. That went on for 10 days, Pastor Chad. The early church prays for 10 days. Peter preached for 10 minutes, and 3,000 people got saved, right? And I think the point that I'm trying to say here is 
Same thing happens in Acts chapter 4. The early church is in a prayer meeting, and God sends the Spirit so powerfully that the building they're in was shaken, right? And I love this verse in Luke. It says, Luke 11, which you know I'm going to quote, verse 11 through 13, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks you for an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion. If you then, evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. And we interpret that verse to be about all kinds of prayers, and that's okay, but it's mainly about the availability and power of the Spirit. Yes, in context, it's specifically what he's talking about. Right. So it's it's given to request. What how do you how do you nudge our listeners today to to request one more time? Yeah. Think about the parallel. Did you have to request, even though it was provided for you already through Jesus' finished work, forgiveness and salvation? Yeah. Yeah. God God's not making sinners repent, even though he's commanded all people everywhere to repent. Mm-hmm. you got to request, Jesus, save me. Be Lord of my life. Let your blood that's been provided cleanse me. Okay? So if you accepted that, friend, when it comes to salvation, then why are you resistant of that same type of reality when it comes to receiving the fullness of God's Spirit, the fullness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Right. It's it's the same. That's what Dr. Luke's highlighting, and that's what uh of Jesus' teaching that he's you know recorded here and in Acts is that you have to request and ask yeah. for the fullness of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Absolutely. And and I th- I think it's probably important to say here, this is not, by the way, just a New Testament thing, and I forgot to mention this earlier with Luke. Um, the two images Luke uses for the Holy Spirit are fire and wind, yeah. and you connect that back to the children of Israel's experience in the Exodus. Because so fire, yeah. which is the presence of God that symbolized to lead them by night, it's manifest presence. Yeah, yeah, it protected the children of Israel, but it was through a fire that Moses was called on the burning bush. And in Acts, the Holy Spirit sets on their heads like tongues of fire. But then the wind and same fire that burnt the the cords off Samson's hands when the Spirit came on. Yes, too. yes. And in the Old Testament name for the Spirit in the Old Testament is Ruach, which means wind. It was the rushing wind that split the Red Sea in two. In Acts 2, the rushing wind comes into the church. Luke says that when Jesus sent him out, the 70, in the power of the Spirit to go around Israel preaching, right? Mm-hmm. Numbers 11, Moses is so overwhelmed at the leading of Israel that he calls out 70 elders, and God puts his Spirit upon spirit them. Upon them. Yeah. When the Spirit comes on them, Numbers 11, 25, they prophesy. When the Spirit comes upon the church, Acts 2, they prophesy. Yes. So... I guess what I was trying to say is that it's not just a New Testament thing. No, people get hammered that come from mainline denominations like I did in the growth phases in the divine design for discipleship because this is the way the Lord began to teach me who had been framed through mainline denomination. He began to show me the parallels and, and that we can basically preach so much of the pneumatology you know, the, the study of the Holy Spirit and His work from Old Testament because God has all these parallels that He's for thousands of years preparing for the the full substance of them that we Amen. now have in Christ. You Amen. know, I've often wondered in Genesis when it talked about how God would come down before the fall, right? And it said that he would walk with them, right? In yeah. the cool of the day. Yep. And as you were talking, I've wondered if that cool speaks to the wind of his presence yeah. at times. Yeah. Because wind... They're, Refreshing. Yeah, it brings that cool, right? When wind blows, you can feel it, but... yeah. At the end of the day, to overlook the power of the Spirit, you'd have to cut out the whole Bible. The whole Bible screams, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. And let me tell you, I don't know why I feel 
pretty strong today on the like the the con, the Lord convicting people, like confronting wrong mentalities. But um, not only cut out the Bible, but you cut yourself off from what God's doing in this hour because the warning of Scripture, Paul says, in the last days there'll be a form of godliness, but they deny the power. Yeah, they don't deny the importance of godly character or or things like that, but they deny the power, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about. You're denying the very person of the Godhead the Holy Spirit and his need in all of our lives. Yeah. You know? And 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 most of us, Pastor Chad, this is how it's going to end, depend on that wrong source of power. I was thinking, do you want to have power in ministry? And I know there's so many parallels, but I think a lot of times the prophets of Baal in first Kings eighteen, there's a showdown. All right. And that's who we are. And they and and he he mocks them and says they're yelling louder and working harder to try to get the manifestation. My favorite part of the story, Pastor Chad, is there's your real emotionalism there. Yeah. First Kings eighteen thirty nine, when it's all over, God sent the fire, licked up the sacrifice. They're all in their faces and they're saying, The Lord, he's God, the Lord, he's God. They're not saying Elijah's a great speaker. <laughs> <laughs> now think about that in our modern day church context. Oh man, I'm following that guy. He's amazing, dude. He's amazing. I just get so much from him. When the true anointing and manifest power of God comes, they're saying, "Oh, the Lord, the Lord our God is He's well, God." When not- you, you, yeah, when you perceive the work of God correctly, the work of His that's the response, right? Yeah. If not, you're you're still perceiving through the vulnerabilities of humanity, like First Corinthians three. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Yeah. Is Christ Correct. divided? Absolutely. So, last thing I was going to say is some of us don't encounter the power of the Spirit, Pastor Chad, because we're not engaged in the mission of the Spirit. Meaning, yeah. the power of the Spirit is to be empowering us in God's mission. And if we claim to speak in tongues, but we have no missionary impulse, it don't mm-hmm. matter how many tongues we speak in. Yeah. Right? Is yep. that in so many ways, I've had a lot of charismatic friends love Acts 2, and Acts 2 is amazing. Acts 2 comes after Acts 1, right? You'll receive power. But if Jesus had come as a basketball player and just dominated the courts, right, and I claimed to be filled with the Spirit, you would expect me to start playing basketball a little better, right? If it's, the same thing that was in and on him gets in and on me, you would think there'd be similar fruit. That's it. That's it. And so what do I tell? What do I see the Spirit doing a lot of in Luke and Acts? I don't see him running from difficulty. I don't see him running from challenges. Uh I see it much more than, oh, I pulled up to the mall and I got a free parking space. God's favors on my life, right? In some sense, that's an elementary understanding. But Paul left, uh, his parking spot was in prison, in prison and then ultimately in an upside-down cross. So Peter was, I should say. So I guess that's the point I'm trying to say is that if the Great Commission's still in effect, the power whereby to discharge that commission has to be available. And so many times people don't receive the fullness of the Spirit or operate in the fullness mm-hmm. of the Spirit because they're just not actively involved in the mission of the Spirit. Totally. Do we want His power? Yes. I want Jesus' power. Is it just to serve the church better, to serve His kingdom better, to, to serve His mission better, or do I want His power to serve myself better? So let me say it this way, Pastor Chad. There's no disconnect between the mission of God and the power of God. Right. The disconnect is between the people of God and the mission of God. Is that if we can get in his mission, we'll have his power, right? Yeah. Readily ask his power. So any final thoughts that you have today? God knows what he's called us as people to, and he knows the power that's necessary for it to happen. Yeah. And uh, he's provided both the purpose and the grace, the power for it. And so um, it's just a matter of you and I 
having the eyes of our heart enlightened to recognize unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Yeah. And if Jesus needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for both life and godliness and ministry, how much more do you and I? Because, see, he was born of the Spirit through birth. Yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. And so I have some pre-born-again memories and stuff and, and, and reality of my humanity and sinfulness um, that I know says that I need the power of God's Spirit if God's going to build anything Amen. lasting through my life. Amen. So our hope is today, if you're watching or listening today, that you hear Him calling. That's truly our hearts is that if you're following today, you hear the calling and the invitation of the Lord. Romans 5, 5 says the Spirit of God wants to shed God's Word in your heart. He wants to pour out His love in your heart. That's the reality, to come in and pour God's love over you. You were created for Him. He loved you. You rebelled. He came to earth. He paid the penalty for your sin. He absorbed its consequences. He reaches out to reconcile you. Maybe you're listening today and you're not reconciled. That's step one. But those that are reconciled, do you hear the invitation of God to be filled with His Spirit? And Pastor Chad, you know, every sermon series, I preach at Dwelling Place, and we preach. I study the text, and I let the text of Scripture drive what I say. I try not to come with my own agenda. But at the end of the day, I always always ask the Holy Spirit for specific words for our church that are even above and beyond what the text is communicating. And it's amazing. It's amazing. 20 years of doing this the things that I thought were going to be so powerful to communicate <laughs> to people that I had prepared and crafted right. so well yeah. that I want to be so memorable. They come and never say a word about them. And then the things that I never intended to say, mm-hmm. never intended to say, but I say in some moment of inspiration, they always come. And I always say, well, maybe you're just a better listener today. But the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit speaks over and through our words, mm-hmm. in front of, behind our words, and there are people today that are just dealing with issues, dealing with challenges at home, dealing with challenges at the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I just want them to know, want you to know from our hearts that the Holy Spirit is is available. Jesus, the Spirit baptizer, wants to fill you with His Spirit and enable you to do the very things that Jesus did. So any final thoughts, I'll let you pray for us and be yeah. finished for today's episode. No, we just, we, we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Scripture's clear, Jesus is clear, the Father's clear. And um, don't let pride keep you from what the Father has purchased for you through the blood of Jesus, right? Now, if you're a son and daughter of God and the blood's applied, it's time for the oil of heaven Mm -hmm. uh, to help you uh, both inwardly in character and life and then for your calling in Christ Jesus and your kingdom purpose. Let me pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask, Lord, that on the grounds of the blood of Jesus, the new covenant, that right now, Lord, you would baptize listeners. Lord, who are asking and ready with the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you would pour out your anointing upon them, that, Lord, you would fill people now in Jesus' name with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that out of their spirit, out of their belly, the rivers of your Holy Spirit would begin to flow out of their life to be a blessing to those around them, that they would have the fresh, Lord, fuel of heaven to see heaven come and touch people here on earth. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you've not left us as orphans or helpless, but you have come now through your very person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that those that have been lied to or blinded by religion and things, that they would be loosed in Jesus' name, that the anointing would break off the blinders, Lord, uh, break off that which tries to keep people blinded or opposing the work 
of the Holy Spirit in their life. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. We're so grateful to be in conversation with you. Led this talks with up. the Craig. That's right. We'll be back very soon. Uh, final few episodes here of season three. God bless you.